You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I have some fantastic news. Um, I, I just lost who sent it to me, so I apologize. It might have been Mr. Insider Takes because I see him commenting. But I found a arrogant, cocky Lions fan. Um, I know it's rare, so, you know, it's... Well, I guess I shouldn't say I know it's fair. I don't know that it's rare. I had somebody else reach out and said, dude, I'm in Michigan. Please don't ask them to be cocky because I deal with that 24-7. So... Maybe they are loud over there. I don't know. They just usually don't put it online. But I've got one, and he has a relatively big account. It's not like some, you know, uh, Packers fan started a burner account, has four followers, and is like, I'm going to pretend to be a Lions fan because it's funny for some reason. (laughs) No. Dude has uh, 3,600 followers. This tweet has 650 likes. Um, So, yeah, he's, he's not alone in this. But here's what the tweet says. If Jared Goff plays like he did during the last five games of the season, raise your hand if you think the Lions will win the NFC North. Now, I guess technically he didn't say he's thinking they're going to win the NFC North, but he's kind of implying it. If you're curious about the last five weeks of the season, and he probably should have said six because uh, they won their only three games in the last six weeks. So they, they went 500. So we could maybe give him that, unless he just knows he played like garbage against Minnesota and doesn't want to bring it up. I'm not entirely sure. But um, the last six weeks of the season, they won three of their six games. So that's kind of maybe what he's looking at, saying, hey, if we can kind of go on that sort of a run. By the way, they tied Pittsburgh after their bye, so that was not necessarily a loss. They only lost one, two, three, four, five games in uh, nine weeks, which doesn't sound that great until you realize they went zero and eight through their first eight weeks. But I have to assume that's what he's talking about. If you're looking at it from a stats standpoint, Jared Goff, um, in those, let's say, five weeks that he mentioned, 669 yards, six touchdowns, and a interception. How does, I mean, it's kind of hard to quantify. What does that mean as far as five games? Maybe that's a lot, maybe it's not. I have no idea. Well, in terms of yards, Jared Goff was 24th. Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Pat Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, Davis Mills, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, all had 1,000 or more yards. Um, That's 15 quarterbacks. He was 24th with 668. So not super great. Um, In terms of his completion percentage, he was decent. He was 7th, 69.5%. Yards per attempt, he was down at 17th. His uh, six touchdowns, which kind of seems like a lot, I guess, sort of, is 13th. You had, uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers was at the top here because that's what he does. 14 touchdowns in that period. Um, Eight 
quarterbacks had 10 or more touchdowns. Uh, three quarterbacks had at least double. Pat Mahomes, Dak Prescott, and Aaron Rodgers. We're just talking about in these five weeks that apparently if he can do this, he's going to be unstoppable. And then if you're looking at just PFF grade, he ranked 23rd with a 61.5 overall grade. His passing grade was a 60.2, which ranked uh, 24th. You know what's hilarious about this? Tim Boyle ranked 26th in this period. So he was barely better than Tim Boyle. Um, So that's great. In fact, the other really interesting thing about this, his overall grade for the season was a 60.7, passing grade 62.2. So he was marginally worse in these last five weeks um, than he was just for the season. In fact, he is the most consistently average quarterback. And this is just with the Lions. This is like the worst year he's ever had since his rookie year. So maybe he gets better. I don't know. I mean, this is a really bad sit. Let's be completely honest about what it was. He had a great situation over there with the Rams and McVay. And he's over here and he has to just be a quarterback as opposed to being babied through a system. And um, yeah, about as consistently average as I've ever seen. 66, 62, 63, 62, 50, 53, 63, 63, 44, 67, 59, 55, 62, 67. I mean, he's right in the pocket there, man. Just between like 55 and uh, what, 67 was his highest grade ever, which is unbelievable to me. I don't I there I don't know if there's another I, I got to look into that. Is there any other quarterback whose best game was a 67? I'm going to take the time right now and look that up because that is astonishing. Technically Mike Glennon, but he only played 1 2 3 4 5 6 games, so I'm not even going to count that. Sam Darnold had a horrible record or grade 55 overall, but his highest was an 85. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, terrible season. Highest was a 75. And I think I'm starting at the bottom in terms of grades. So these are the worst, um, quarterbacks in the NFL. Davis Mills, who's seen as this great quarterback had a 58 overall grade. 85 was his highest. Um, everybody has good Tyrod Taylor hardly played at all. 78 overall grade was his highest. Zach Wilson had an 80. Uh, Tyler Heineke had an 88. Trevor Lawrence had an 83. And then you got Jared Goff, <laughs> 67. Amazing. Baker had an 89. Um, it's not really worth looking at people who have like 70 overall grades because obviously they would have had one or two decent games. Um, Justin Fields had a 90. Uh, it was his only one, obviously. But uh, Trevor Simeon hardly played, had a 77. Andy Dalton had a 92.4, which, again, just... Every time Bears fans want to get excited about anything, there's always something immediately following that's just hilarious. Boom, Justin Fields 90 shows his potential. <laughs> Andy Dalton 94 overall. <laughs> oh, Tua had several good games, but an 89.1. Uh, Tyler Huntley, who hardly played, had that game against Green Bay that we don't need to talk about, but it was a high grade. So yeah, I mean, this, this is a historically amazing feat by Jared Goff to be the most average quarterback in history. So um, if Jared Goff plays like he did during the last five games, it'll end up exactly like last season. So again, this is kind of that same situation where you can probably try to make a case. And there's there's a case for just about everything, but you got to have the right information. This doesn't make sense. This is a fan... Like like most fans, which is fine, who just kind of watch football. And there's probably just some general narrative floating around that Jared Goff got better as the season went on. I don't really know why. But sometimes fans just let 
narrative kind of spin out of control and we just kind of say things. And, you know, they started winning games down the stretch, so they just probably conflate the two. But, you know, none of this is rooted in reality. And so, again, I'm all for Lions fans starting to chirp up a little bit, but the chirping you should be doing is we're going to be better than the Bears. Maybe you can say we've got a shot at second place if you wanted to. You're getting a little crazy saying that you might be the number one team because based on what? You're going to be better than the Packers and the Vikings? The odds of that are so astronomically low, it's incredible. And again, I wish there was a better case made so I could, you know, try to argue against it, but you only made one point and it was stupid, so I don't really have anything else. And we kind of talked about the Lions yesterday. And again, maybe there will be something here on offense. And who knows, maybe someday you end up getting a quarterback, and this can be a really just, I mean, you got the offensive line, Hawkinson, you know, the the wide receivers, which again, I don't know if any of these guys are going to be any good. I mentioned Chark as far as like he's an athletic guy. He's 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 a Christian Watson. He's an MBS type. He's 6'4", runs in the four threes. But he also had a 65.9 overall grade last year. And this isn't exactly the most dynamic offense in the history of the world, nor is it the most dynamic quarterback in the history of the world. So um, I don't know about that. And Williams, again, is a rookie, so we have to see. Plus, again, he's a speedster, but you already have Chark, who runs a 4-3-4, right? While Jameson's faster. So what? So what? What, what is the difference? 4-3-4 isn't fast enough for you, so you need a guy that's like 4-2-9 or whatever. I don't even know what Williams is, plus he's coming off an injury, so we don't, nobody really knows what he's going to end up being. But look, the, the, again, the point is, well, let me, let me read you the point. There was a tweet by NFL Rums, which I know, I know, don't believe any of his stuff, whatever, but here is just, um, I feel like he's trying to get away from making so many predictions and just kind of like breaking news after it's broke kind of thing. Anyways, Las Vegas makes predictions on NFL teams with the worst records for 2022. Cardinals, 8 wins. Raiders, 8 wins. 49ers, Saints, 8 wins. Jets, Browns, Steelers, Lions, 7 wins. Jaguars, Falcons, 6 wins. Seahawks, Giants, 5 wins. Panthers, 4 wins. Bears and Texans, 3 wins. Now, I don't know where he got this from, but it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter if it's even real. This is what you run with. This is what you retweet, because what it says is, we're not good. 7 and 10, right? Who knows? Maybe we could bump that up to 8-ish. Maybe that's better than the Vikings. I don't know. But I do know that this is significantly better than the Bears' projected record. Now, I did a little sleuthing myself, and I don't see anything even close to this. Usually what I see, at best, Bears and Lions have the exact same projections. 6 to 6.5 wins. On a few of these, the Bears have better odds. So uh, at thelines.com, Lions projected six wins, Bears six and a half. Odds to make the playoffs for the NFC North. Packers minus 410, Vikings plus 100, Bears plus 360, Lions plus 360. Bettingnews.com had the odds for the Bears and the Lions exactly tied. Makes me smile. Vegas Insider has the Bears and the Lions both at six and a half wins. And so to reiterate, I want you guys to start making fun of Bears fans, but don't overshoot the mark, all right? Just take it easy. But anyways, I want to get to Bears fans because Bears fans are a little bit all over the map. Um, Well, not really all over the map, but there's two kinds of Bears fans. There's the Bears fans that are trying to say it's not going to be that bad. In fact, I think it's going to be quite good. 
And then you got Bears fans who are trying to be positive from the standpoint of at least we're better than you. Those guys are going to love it when Lions fans show up because that's that's what they need. Because the only thing they got right now is trying to prove that they're better than, <laughs> than the Jets. <laughs> but I want to play a couple of things that I found. Um, one of them won't surprise you too much, but this is Adam Rank talking about the Chicago Bears. I'm going to read some of these comments to myself. Just to see uh, if we can, Brian Sanchez, Justin's going to shut up all these haters. Remember, Rank, we finally get a quarterback that's pissed because he got passed up. This is the year that he balls out. I honestly believe that to be the case. I, listen, people are too focused in on the receivers. Have you, have you seen some of the receiving rooms around the NFL? And I've brought this up time and time again. In Josh Allen's second year, he had John Brown and Cole Beasley as his top two wide receivers and still managed to break out. Sorry, that was the wrong clip. That was that was Adam Rank um, defending Aaron Rodgers and the Packers there. I, I apologize. I, I meant to find his record prediction, and instead I found um, him telling every Bears fan, every Vikings fan, every Lions fan that said that because the Packers don't have a good wide receiver room, um, they're going to be bad. Uh, Adam Rank decided to come out and be like, no, that's not true. If you have a great quarterback, you don't need great wide receivers. Look at Josh Allen. Thank you, Adam. Um, by the way, you're you're um, trying to use Justin Fields. I think you meant Aaron Rodgers there because Justin Fields would have to be a good quarterback, um, and he's you know not so. But here, here is here is um, what he has as far as the win loss record. I'll just read it because he just has it up here as a graphic, and this is an audio podcast. Week one against the 49ers, he says the Bears are going to win. You're going to beat the 49ers. Okay. Week two at Packers is a loss, so kudos for that being realistic. Week three against the Texans is a win, maybe. Uh, At Giants, win, maybe. Week five, Vikings, loss. Week six, Commanders, win, Mm, probably not, but maybe. Uh, At Patriots, loss. At Cowboys, loss. Uh, Dolphins is a win. Lions is a win. Falcons is a win. Jets is a win. Week 13, Packers, win. Week 14, bye. Eagles, Bills, loss. Lions, Vikings, win-win. So he has them sweeping the Lions and splitting with the Vikings and the Packers, and then beating the 49ers, the Texans, the Giants, the Commanders, the Dolphins, uh, the Falcons, the Jets, for a grand total of 11 wins. 11 wins and six losses. Adam Rank has them at 11 and 6. And so I think what this is, and, and some fans do this, you wouldn't expect it from someone like, well, you would from Adam Rank, but assuming that this guy is someone that pays attention to anything ever, you wouldn't expect to see this so much. But it's very simple. And, and I'm sure Packer fans do this too. You look at every team that you think you could beat or that you're even close to and you say, we're going to beat them. And you only lose to the teams that you're significantly worse than, right? So he split with the Packers and the Vikings. So that's some of the losses. Uh, Patriots, Cowboys, uh, he says, you know, just they're better than the pa- the Bears, so there you go. And then Eagles and Bills. But the 49ers, you know, they don't really have a quarterback, and we're not really sure, so maybe we'll call that a win. And the Texans are a bad team. And the Giants, you know, they're, they're probably slightly better than us on paper, but they're still a bad team, and we beat bad teams. Commanders are clearly better than us on paper, but still, it's the Commanders. They're not very good. We're going to beat them. Dolphins are a better team than us, but they're still not a good team, so we're going to beat them. 
Falcons are a bad team. Maybe, I don't know, better or worse than us necessarily, but we're going to beat them. You know what I'm saying? Like every team that's on our level, we beat them. And then just getting ridiculous with stuff like beating the Packers and the and the uh, Vikings. Even sweeping the Lions, I think, is silly. I think the 49ers are a loss. I think the Commanders are a loss. I think the Packers and Vikings beat them twice. And then if you just look at all the garbage teams, I'm sorry, I don't think you sweep all the bad teams. I don't think you beat the Lions twice, beat the Jets, beat the Falcons. Um, struggling to even know who the really bad teams are. I got to look at them a little closer. But Dolphins, um, Commanders, I guess, Giants, Texans. You don't sweep them all. You're going to lose to a bad team at some point. I mean, the Packers might lose to a bad team, for crying out loud. The Bears are obviously going to lose to a bad team. You know why? Because they're a bad football team. So this is part of the silliness. I'll let him comment a little bit, assuming I have the right timestamp here. I'm going to let him comment on his talk for the Bears beating the Packers here. Two solid games last year against the Packers. The Packers will probably be on their way to winning the division by week 13. We'll probably, I don't think Aaron Rodgers will ever overlook us. What I think, and I got to do the analytics. I didn't get an op. Listen, I didn't get to get this schedule ahead of time. So I want to go and look and see, you know, how do, how do Eberflus's teams do in front of the break, behind the break, things like that. I don't care. I'm going to give us a dub because I don't care. I'm crazy. We're going to beat the Packers at least once this year. At least, listen to me. We're going to beat the Packers once this year. My biggest takeaway from this whole thing, because that, listen, that was his entire defense of beating the Packers. What did he say? What did he say that whole time? I'm crazy. I don't care. I don't care. Actually, I don't know. I haven't really looked into it yet. I don't know about the analytics and all that, but I'm crazy. I know from Packer fans, we think Adam Rank is just a goofball because he's kind of just a goofball. The guy works for NFL Network. You say, well, he's just the fantasy football guy. Well, come on, man. NFL Network, 484,000 followers. And he has his own YouTube channel, which granted, almost nobody subscribes to it. And I think I can see why. But this is, this, that, wh- it's funny too, because he's like, well, listen, I didn't get the schedule ahead of time. So, you know, I, I didn't really get a chance to look at the analytics and all that stuff as far as before and after the bye week. You, you didn't get the schedule ahead of time? You didn't know that the Packers were playing the Bears? This is news to you? You didn't know you were going to have a bye week? <laughs> but again, we're going to beat the Packers. Why? Well, I'm crazy. I don't care. This, this, is, this is the full width and breadth of some of the most diehard Bears fans. And again, you know exactly how this goes. If you get into an argument with a Bears fan about this, you're going to put their back up against a wall very quickly because there's nowhere for them to run. They have nothing to stand on. They don't have a quarterback, an offensive line, wide receivers, tight end. They don't have much of a defensive line anymore. They don't have much for corners or, or linebackers or safeties, even though they think they have great linebackers and safeties. They don't have much of anything anywhere. They got a running back that seems pretty decent. And the funny thing is, when they have something that's decent, in their mind, it's one of the greatest in all of football because he doesn't suck. And it, it, for them to be a bear and not suck, you must be one of the gr- all-time greats. Darnell Mooney is like a top five wide receiver in Bears fans' minds. Dude is like top 20. Same with their running back. Like they think he's one of the greatest and he's fine. But I don't even know if he's like top, I know he's, I don't know if he's top three in the, uh, in the NFC North. I don't think he is. I think the Packers and Vikings have better running backs. Just in the NFC North. I know Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are both better. So he's at best third. 
But anyways, that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is this, and I, and I think this is genuinely trying to uh, prop up the bears, but this is from a long time ago. It's still, well, at May 19th. It's not that long ago, I guess. A couple weeks. But this is a Bears fan put this on Twitter. Bears versus Jets roster comparison. Quarterback, Bears by a slight margin. Running back, Bears. Wide. This is who they think is better. Wide receiver, Jets. Tight end, Bears. Offensive line, Jets by a slight margin. He just put slight margin after it to make it sound not as bad. Edge Bears, defensive line Jets, cornerbacks Bears by a mile, linebackers Bears by a light year, false. I mean, maybe, but false. Safeties Bears, correct me if I'm wrong, Jets fans, but Bears got the better roster. The best part about this, and I'll, I'll let Doug Stewart summarize this. He says, this is great content. Last year, Bears fans compared Justin Fields to being drafted by the Bears to Michael Jordan being drafted by the Bulls. Now they're trying to favorably compare themselves to the Jets. Everyone is hyping the Vikings in the offseason. Again, nature is healing. Whatever. The point is, though, this isn't just, again, maybe this is just some random Bears. I've seen this multiple times. And even when I retweeted this, I got a ton of Bears fans mad at me. And you know what they did? They argued that they were, in fact, better than the Jets. Here's a tip. Don't do that. Just think about it from our perspective. Imagine if a Packer fan or anybody tried to say that the Jets were better than the Packers. I don't know any Packer fan that would want to even engage that other than to just type LOL. It's so absurd, it's not even worth talking about. The point is, though, this isn't absurd. This is kind of right on point. This is right on the money. And for the record, if I were to go through this, quarterback is not the Bears, it's the Jets. Running back, we don't know because they just drafted Brees Hall. So we have to see what, that that is their starting running back, and we don't know. Probably going to be the Bears win that one with Montgomery. But to be clear, Montgomery, 69.8 overall grade, 28th ranked running back. It's not a super high bar. Wide receiver, he says, is the Jets. At the, by the way, you want to talk about by a light year? How about, how about this one for by a light year? Corey Davis, um, Elijah Moore, and Garrett Wilson are their wide receivers. It's maybe not a light year, but significant. If we're going to put little, little, you know, parentheses out there. Tight end Bears, mm, I mean, it's basically a tie, but Uzoma was technically a better tight end. If we're just going by PFF grade, 33rd compared to 37th, it's, it's, we can call it a tie if you want to call it a tie, but we're not saying Bears. Um, offensive line, Jets by a slight margin, excuse me? No, not by a slight margin, not at all. Um, left tackle, Borum compared to Fant, 61 overall grade compared to 71. Left guard, 66 compared to 73. Center, 57 compared to 76. Right guard, 51 compared to 67. Right tackle, 47 compared to 67. That offensive line is about 20 points higher at every single position. It is so far in the Jets. The Jets have a good offensive line. You have one of the worst in all of football. It is insane to say it's a slight margin. They blow you out of the water. Edge, he says, Bears, I don't really know. They've got Carl Lawson, um, and then they drafted uh, Jermaine Johnson. The Bears have Quinn and Muhammad. Muhammad is not very good. Quinn was, was solid last year statistically. He ranked 34th, but his stats were pretty high. But I also think it was inflated. I guess I'll give it to the Bears, but they both suck, so I don't really care. Defensive line, he says the Jets, that's fair, and it's not necessarily by a mile. The Jets don't have a great defensive line, but it is better than the Bears, who have nobody that grades out well at all. Justin Jones has the highest grade at 57.9. Cornerback, he says Bears by a mile. Um, no. The Bears both drafted a guy, but the Bears got Kyler Gordon in the second round, 
The Jets got Sauce Gardner at four. So advantage Jets. Um, the best corner that they have, and, and Bears fans are obsessed with Jalen Johnson. He was ranked 50th with a 64 overall grade. Uh, the Jets last year had DJ Reed, who is a really, really good corner, 78.6 overall grade. He was a fifth-round pick, but it's been three years in a row. He's been at 70, 75 or higher. So Reed is better than um, Johnson. And then in the slot, it's uh, Young does have a slight advantage. Tavon Young, believe it or not, with a 60.4 overall grade compared to Carter at 53.7. But I would take the Jets cornerbacks with Reed and Sauce Gardner over uh, Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson any day of the week. So false, especially when you say by a mile. What a joke. And linebacker, you say uh, bears by a light year. I don't know, man. Uh, Let's look at the three linebackers that actually played. I mean, it is the Bears, but this is kind of hilarious. From worst to best, C.J. Mosley had a 42 overall grade. Quincy Williams of the Jets had a 44 overall grade. Roquan Smith of the Bears had a 47 overall grade. Um, And then you have Nicholas Murrow, Morrow, who did have a 63 overall grade um, in 2020, the last time he played. But previously, it was 53, 50, and 46. So of the four linebackers, I don't know if any of them is going to be in the 50 range. The best linebacker of this group that actually played last year was Roquan Smith, who ranked 64th out of 87 linebackers. And then you think the safeties are uh, the Bears also. That's absurd. Um, The Jets have LaMarcus Joyner, who had a 67 overall grade. He's had some success here and there. And then Jordan Whitehead is is now a uh, Jet, had a 70 overall grade two years in a row. The Bears did draft Jaquan Brisker. We'll see if he can do anything. But your guy, Eddie Jackson, who you think is good, is not. 59 overall grade, two years in a row. He ranks 65th out of 92 safeties. So the Jets have a way better offensive line, a better quarterback um, by... I guess technically Fields did end up higher, so I'll give you that. Statistically, I know Zach was better. But we're doing PFF, so I'll give you PFF. That 90 overall grade game just absolutely saved your life. But 64 compared to 59, so I'll grant you quarterback. They have a better offensive line, better tight end, better wide receivers across the board, better defensive line, better corners, better safeties. You have better quarterback, marginally, since we play that game. Running back is to be determined. Better edge, marginally, and maybe, because we got draft picks involved. Better linebacker by the slimmest of margins and to a degree that doesn't matter. And that's it. So, look, I mean, and, and, and this, is, this is compared to the Jets. I'm not even trying to, you know, I mean, if you had those, those positions that I would just flat out said were, were better than, like, the field, better than most, it might be a, you could make an argument for this being a good team. I'm just comparing them to the Jets. Fields is below average. He ranked 29th. Montgomery is below average, ranking 28th. The offensive line, as I said, is one of the worst in football. Your best wide receiver ranked 33rd. Pringle, who is supposedly some great uh, soon-to-be whatever, he ranked 75th. And then you have Equinemius St. Brown, who I've seen Bears fans try to hype up. Give me a break. 56 overall grade. Cole Komet ranked 37th out of 70. He hasn't done anything. Bears fans don't even like him. Your defensive tackles ranked 60th and 78th. Your edge rushers ranked 34th and 57th. Your corners ranked 50th and 72nd, plus a rookie. Your linebacker ranked 64th. Your safety ranked 65th. And you've got a a rookie um, uh, safety in Brisker. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's that's so bad. I mean, just think about it from from a standpoint of of what are we going to do? 
you can't protect Justin Fields. So how are you, you you're not going to be able to run the ball. Let's start there. Borum had a 59 run blocking grade. Uh, Whitehair, 66. That was his best attribute. Uh, Lucas Patrick, 54. Mustafer, 47. Uh, Tevin Jenkins had a 62. That was his highest uh, best attribute. So Montgomery, who ranked 28th, isn't going to be able to go anywhere. Uh, let's see. Cole Komet's run blocking grade was a 62. Pass blocking, Borum, 62. Whitehair, 61. Mustafer, 61. Tevin Jenkins, 54. Uh, and Lucas Patrick, 64. So you can't protect fields. You can't run the ball. And who's going to be catching the ball? Your star receiver, Mooney, who's outside of the top 32? And then defensively, who are you going to stop with your 50th ranked, ranked number one corner? Nobody. Even, 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 okay, the Packers don't have receivers. Okay, who's going to stop our non-receivers? Nobody. Well, we drafted Gordon. We got a second round receiver, and he was taken ahead of him. So, <laughs> yeah, your six foot, uh, 194 Second round receiver is going to stop our, what, 6'4", 220-pound guy running in the 4'3s? Best of luck. What about pass rush? You don't really need the best corners in the world if you can generate some pass rush. With whom? Quinn? That's it? Roquan's really good in coverage. You're right. That is his one redeeming attribute, and it's the reason everybody seems to like the guy. He had a 68 coverage grade. He also had a 55 pass rush grade and a 30 run defense grade. He ranked 80th out of 86 in terms of stopping the run. He's garbage. Anyways, um... The last sentence you heard prior to this was about uh, six hours ago. So um, whatever I was talking about before, I think Roquan, (laughs) we're just going to leave it there. I'm going to take a break here. And on the other side of the break, I want to talk a little bit about offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Um, I was kind of poking around at it, trying to to learn a little bit because I usually don't pay too much attention but uh, what does it take to be that? And then what are the odds that any of the guys that we drafted could be that? I know it's not something we usually get, but it's worth looking at. So we will uh, take a little break. Uh, big shout out to Oscar Cardona. $100 donation for Drew to help get his seizure service dog. So we're $10 away from $5,700. The total goal is 7400 So we're getting there. Again, my goal was to get this done before the start of the season. If we can keep clipping along at this pace, I think we'll just about get there. But anyways, why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I don't really have anything necessarily definitive, but I thought it was interesting to at least look at it and try to get a gauge of what is this? Because my my first concern is it's a uh, it's a voting thing, and so to some degree it's a popularity contest, and I think that's a little bit fair, but at the same time maybe a little bit unfair because um, it didn't take a ton of time. I mean, I went down the wrong direction for a while, but it doesn't take a ton of time to kind of figure out Who's going to end up winning the thing? If we look back over the last couple of years, let's just look at offensive uh, rookies of the year. Um, Jamar Chase, Cincinnati Bengals, Justin Herbert, um, Chargers, Kyler Murray, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Dak Prescott. Let's, we can just stop it there. The first thing, and I, I left the, I made a couple notes and I left it so I don't have it, but I generally speaking, because I don't want to go through and do all this again, a lot of the time what you're going to find are really early picks. And the problem for the Packers is they don't have a lot of early picks. And so there's an element of hype to this. And the way that I kind of came to the conclusion of thinking about this is the default is the early guys, especially if there's a ton of hype. And then secondarily, how did they perform? There's not a terrible correlation. In fact, several of these guys were actually the highest graded um, of the group as far as PFF, not, not that I expect the voters to be looking at PFF, but the point is that there's, there does seem to be somewhat of a correlation between just picking the right guy, picking the best guy. And, and that happens to be one of the top guys drafted, you know, top 10 picks or whatever, but really it's, it's, there's a couple outliers in that regard. If we flip over to defense, you've got Micah Parsons, uh, high pick Chase Young, high pick Nick Bosa, high pick, but then you got Darius Leonard, 2018 linebacker. So it's not a hyped up position. You think he was a second round pick. He was like third or fourth or whatever. Um, Marshawn Lattimore, Joey, Joey Bosa. So these were both early picks. Marcus Peters in 2015. And obviously offensively, one of the bigger outliers is Alvin Kamara. But what it really comes down to, and it, it, again, it took me a little bit too long to figure this out, but it's, it's production. On defense, it's pretty straightforward. Find the guys that had, uh, you know, sacks or picks. Sacks or picks. That's going to be the defensive rookie of the year most of the time. So in 2021, if you look at um, who had the most sacks, Micah Parsons had 14. Now, 14 is stupid. It is stupid. He's not even an edge rusher. I mean, he was used in that way for you know several times, but that's insane. But you look at the candidates, right? Again, just look at interceptions and look at sacks if you want to figure out who the defensive player of the year is most of the time. The second highest amount of sacks among these guys was Azizo Jalari with 10, Jalen Phillips with 10. Now, those are edge rushers, which is more exciting than uh, Micah Parsons being an inside linebacker, but Azizo Jalari, second round pick, Giants, Giants are a bad team, and overall, he didn't do a ton else, he didn't have a ton of hype. Jalen Phillips, similar situation, um, he was a first round pick, which I think was a little bit of a surprise, um, he did have his 10 sacks, but uh, if you pair that with the amount of hype that Micah Parsons got is, is just being this elite freak 
crazy kind of, uh, you know, haven't really seen much like this. It's pretty obvious to say that there's no reason to put anybody above Micah Parsons. But on top of that, flip over to interceptions. Who's the competition? The most interceptions of anybody was Patrick Sertan with four interceptions. So nothing really there. So it's pretty straightforward. Who should win the defensive player of the year? Micah Parsons. If you look at 2020, and this is where it gets a little bit interesting, because again, keep in the back of your mind, this whole experiment is how do one of the Packers get to the top? So if you look at interceptions, the most interceptions was three, and that was by a bunch of different guys. Legereus Sneed, uh, Trayvon Diggs, Jordan Fuller, Cameron Curl had three, but nobody cares about three. Then you look at sacks. You had Chase Young with six, which is not a lot, but it's the most, because the next highest was Alton Robinson with four. So there's not a ton to choose from, but if you factor in Chase Young, the amount of hype that the guy got, the fact that he was the only real statistical, um, statistically intriguing player in any regard, even though, again, six sacks isn't that great. And then just the fact that, I mean, not that I expect PFF to be a major thing, but he graded out really well, nearly a 90 overall grade, fantastic run defender. Pass rush was mediocre, but um, second overall pick. There's, there's, who, who are you going to put ahead of them, right? So, um, you know, if you just look at the voting that year, Jeremy Chin got uh, four and a half votes. Patrick Queen got two, which is a laughable joke. And Antoine Winfield of the Buccaneers got one at safety. So the competition, there just was none. That's kind of the first thing to keep in the back of your mind. When there are outliers, and technically this isn't an outlier because he was the number two overall pick, but there are outliers, and it's in years like this where, there's just not a lot going on. Sometimes there's just low bars to get over. And in this case, it was Chase Young that got over that bar. But if anybody had reached, you know, if, if anybody had a big rookie year and had 10 sacks, automatic, automatic. If somebody had, I bet, five interceptions. If anybody would have had five interceptions, I bet they, they beat Chase Young. But nobody did. So six sacks was enough. In uh, 2019, if you look at the sacks, now you did have some competition. This was a big year for, I mean, this was the uh, Rashawn Gary, Brian Burns, Max Crosby, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, Montez Sweat, Chase Winovich year, right? There was a billion guys, not even including guys like Cleveland Furl, Ed Oliver, et cetera, et cetera, like the, in, well, Cleveland's not interior, but anyways, even still, Nick Bosa, 14 sacks, right? And again, if any rookie had reached 10 the year uh, the year prior in 2020, it would have been easy. In 2019, you got three guys. Max Crosby had 11, Josh Allen had 12, Nick Bosa had 14. But again, sticking with the formula, the, the automatic guy is Nick Bosa. That's where everybody's mind goes. He ended up with the most sacks. How in the world does he not end up as that guy? And again, look over to interceptions. The most was three with Juan Thornhill and Sean Murphy bunting. So there you go. There's the answer to the question. Who won it? The guy with the best stats. So, I mean, so far, all we've done is looked at sacks and interceptions, said who had the most, and picked a guy. Picked the guy that was the most impressive stats, and that was the best defensive player of the year every single year. Now, the really big outlier here is 2018, because in 2018, um, you've got a very, very simple answer to this question. If you look at interceptions, one guy had four, and that was Dante Jackson. If you look at sacks, the second highest was Darius Leonard with seven. Number one, though, was Bradley Chubb with 13 sacks. He did not win Defensive Player of the Year. So it's not always the case. And Bradley Chubb went pretty early. So it's a little bit strange. I know Bradley Chubb was not um, super hyped up as far as being, I don't know why he ended up going number five overall. He did grade out pretty poorly. 
uh, 67 overall grade, 67 run defense grade, 72 pass rush grade. But he had the 13 sacks, although that's PFF sacks. I want to see what his actual official stats are. He still had 12, 12 official sacks. So this one is a little bit of an outlier. Um, and, and again, I think this one kind of goes to hype, and that's not necessarily pre-draft hype, but post-draft. Darius Leonard got a massive amount of hype, and rightly so. I mean, he was draft, he was graded really, really highly. I've been saying for years he's one of the best linebackers in football. 81 overall grade, 70 run defense, 85 tackling, 73 pass rush, 84.8 in coverage. And I think one of the biggest things is he was second in sacks as an inside linebacker, which is massive with seven. And he ended up with two interceptions and seven pass breakups. He's one of the better coverage guys uh, that's that's out there. So if I had to guess, I would have said Bradley Chubb would have won just based on my simple formula. But it wasn't. It was Darius Leonard, which which is kind of nice because it's not so robotic and simplistic and stupid among the voters because Darius Leonard was a better option than Bradley Chubb. So it's good that they actually saw that. But the point is, generally speaking, because the Packers are not going to win with that, I mean, maybe, but I just, I can't imagine the media hyping up any of our guys, even if they're doing really well. But Darius Leonard actually isn't the worst way to look at Quay Walker. Because if you, if you look at, if you look at defensive player of the year, your first thought is it's probably going to be a pass rusher. Um, and so it's going to be one of the early pass rushers. So probably Aiden Hutchinson, possibly a corner, which we didn't get. So that's not going to happen if you got, if a guy gets a bunch of sacks. But again, the last four um, defensive player of the year, two of them were inside linebackers. One of them was a second round inside linebacker, and both of them ended up getting a lot of um, a lot of credit because of largely because of sacks. I don't think that's impossible that Quay ends up being that guy. And here's my thought on that. Since we're here, we might as well talk about it. The real benefit of Quay Walker is that he doesn't have to do or be anything. We have so many guys that, that Joe Barry trusts in the secondary as far as coverage. We have Devondre Campbell that, that we know that he implicitly trusts to be that, that lone inside backer if need be. We know that he trusts the guys along the defensive line, including our edge rushers, defensive tackles, whatever. That gives Joe Barry the freedom to allow Quay Walker to be whatever it is he wants him to be in that moment. And I really think that could mean a lot of blitzing. And, and what are we looking at here? If the guy gets, you know, uh, a, a single pick and, and seven or eight sacks, he's going to be by far one of the top prospects. And the other thing to consider is when you look at this group, who is the clear defensive rookie of the year right now? I'm not saying there aren't good options, but there is not a Joey Bosa in this class. Trayvon Walker is somebody to consider, but he's considered sort of a project, plus it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Aiden Hutchinson, I think, is probably the the most Bosa-esque guy of these of these teams, but it's the Lions, and I don't necessarily know, what, considering he's the only pass rusher, how much success he's going to be able to have. Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner are the two corners. Maybe, but Derek Stingley's had some injury issues, and there's some concern about him as far as you know, coming in and being all that great. Plus, the, the issue with both of these teams is when you're a bad football team, people aren't throwing against you as much because they're already up and they have a lead, and so they run the ball a bunch. The odds of these guys getting five, six, seven interceptions, it's not impossible, but is it massively likely? And, and even if they did, let's say one of these guys gets five picks, which is incredible. Five interceptions is a lot, especially for a rookie. Even still, you've got that Bradley Chubb situation 
where if that's kind of all you've done, but you're not overall that great anyways, and then you've got this linebacker who's got a pick or picks, and then you've got sacks, and you've got all these other things going on, and they're just a really good football player against the pass and the run, I think he's still in contention. After that, you got Jordan Davis, but Jordan Davis isn't going to be a stat guy because I don't care how many times everybody wants to say it, his thing is run defense. It just is. He's not a good pass rusher. He's never been a good pass rusher. He doesn't have the stats on a per rush basis he's bad as a pass rusher i understand he's fast and he's got all great i don't see it kyle hamilton maybe but again it is kyle hamilton that lock like chase young was and by the way chase's stats didn't even pop but you think about the hype he was by far the best defensive player this is like a mix of like second tier guys and so this is the year where somebody who was picked in the 20s or in the second round or you know maybe third round i don't know could really step out and all the, the point is, you don't have to worry about everybody else. Just do you. And the question is, can he be that guy? I think he could. And if not, what about Devontae Wyatt? If you want to get super crazy, you could talk about Kingsley. I'm not going to try to say his last name because I don't read something, something about a bar. I don't know. But again, what does it take? Chase Young got it with six sacks. If Devontae Wyatt gets eight, is it possible? Is it possible that he gets eight? And if he does, is it possible he gets defensive rookie of the year? Yes, it is. Which is one every other game. And again, for a linebacker, if he gets seven or eight, it's, it's, that's, that's really high. And really, that's just about volume because linebackers get to the quarterback at a much higher rate. So if he gets blitzed a ton, he's going to get a, a ton of sacks. Linebackers just automatically, based on the scheme and everything else, just automatically have a better path to the quarterback. They all have higher percentages per rush to the quarterback. You know, 20% is, is not even that crazy for a linebacker. Pass rushers, nobody's at 20%. So it's just about opportunities, and will the Packers bring him on blitzes? And, and I don't see why not. Again, I think you have that freedom with him. Anyways, the final one I want to look at is 2017, because it was a little bit different. Um, I wouldn't even necessarily call it an outlier, but it's a good picture into when there's kind of question marks. So if you look at sacks, one guy did crack the 10-sack mark. That was Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson, not a ton of hype, not, uh, you know, some massive beloved character, graded out pretty poorly, run defense was terrible, but he cracked the 10 sack mark, so there's something there. TJ Watt was in this class, but remember, he wasn't all that great coming out of the gate. I mean, he was fine, but he had eight sacks. He was, you know, tied with like two other guys, Takaris McKinley and Dietrich Wise. But then you go over to the interceptions, and you had Marcus Williams and Marshawn Lattimore. And remember, this is kind of where, okay, we got, in my mind, just based on stats, it's a three-way tie. You got one guy with 10 sacks, two guys with five picks, and five picks again. Those are kind of Similar in my mind, 10 sacks compared to five picks. It's actually probably harder to get the five picks. But at that point, you look at the grades, and the guy with 10 sacks was terrible. The guys with uh, five picks were great. Marcus Williams had an 89 overall grade. Marshawn Lattimore had an 86. Marshawn Lattimore won the uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Why? Probably because he's Marshawn Lattimore. And you got to understand, when he came out of, of, of college and into the pros, he was talked about as like one of the best corner prospects we've seen. And that was that was considered one of the deeper cornerback groups we've seen in a very, very long time. One of the most talented cornerback groups that we've seen. That was the Kevin King year, the you know the one where we grabbed the one bad guy. Uh, Tredavious White was in that group and a bunch of other guys. Razul Douglas, actually, and Eddie Jackson, a couple guys. It was a good DB year. Let's just leave it at that. Yes, I gave Eddie, Eddie Jackson credit. I mean, he's a fourth-round pick. He's fine. But... I think based on that, they decided to go with Marshawn Lattimore because it would just seem silly to take Marcus Williams. He was a second-round pick. He's a safety, which is not as exciting as a corner, and he doesn't have nearly the hype. So 
again, you can see on just about all of these how you came to the conclusion of who's going to end up winning. Offensively is a little bit more tricky because it's not just the two categories. You've got the the yards, um, you've you know, passing yards, receiving yards, rushing yards, touchdowns, a couple different things mixed in here. But again, if you just stick with stats, you can kind of see how they came to their conclusion. 2021 looking at Jamar Chase. Well, second place was Kyle Pitts with 1,026 yards. Jamar Chase had 1,823 yards. As a rookie, he nearly broke 2,000 yards. If you look at touchdowns, Pat Fryermuth had seven. Jamar Chase doubled that with 14. 1,800 yards, 14 touchdowns. That's ridiculous. So again, stats. Now, the, the difficult thing with this is it's hard to see a path when you look at Jamar Chase, now granted, it doesn't have to be Jamar Chase. I mean, if he wasn't in this draft class, what are you dealing with? Kyle Pitts at 1,000 yards or whatever? But it's hard to imagine any Green Bay Packers receiver this year getting nearly 2,000 yards and 14 touchdowns. I mean, that's just not something pretty much any wide receiver did. Even guys that, you know, like Devontae that uh, were just force-fed the ball constantly. Those are massive numbers. I also think offense is where things get a little bit kind of wonky. Um, maybe it's a little bit more reputation based. I'm not sure, but I think, I think Justin Jefferson should have won 1400 yards and seven touchdowns. Instead, it was Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert did a great job as a rookie. Um, and it's hard to be a good quarterback and all that, but, uh, you look at the grades, you look at how much of an outlier and how crazy that is. Justin Jefferson was one of the top wide receivers in all of football. And again, 1400 yards is crazy. Nobody else even cracked a thousand, but Justin Jefferson, 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 80 overall PFF grade. Um, Fair enough. I think this kind of defers to not necessarily hype, but just kind of positional preference. You know, Uh, offensively, you look at the quarterbacks first. You look at a quarterback that was taken real early. If one of these guys goes off, he's probably going to win, which the Packers didn't get one. But again, looking at this situation, let's start with that. How many quarterbacks are going to do that this year? Basically none. The next group that's probably going to win would be a wide receiver. So again, it's not just a matter of what can our guys do. Well, shoot, maybe they're not going to be that good. Who's going to do better? It's not going to be a quarterback this year. I'm willing to bet that. So that's that's a major step up. You look at the the teams with other um, wide receivers. Jamison Williams makes sense because he's sort of that speed, deep threat, lots of yards and touchdowns. You could see it happening. But Jared Goff is his quarterback. And Amon Ra is probably still the number one guy. Plus, there's injury issues. I don't know when he's going to start, if he's going to start week one, how all that plays out. You got Drake London and the Falcons. You could see that maybe being a thing. But again, it's the Falcons, the Jets and Garrett Wilson. But it's the Jets. You got Chris Olave with the Saints, maybe. But who's the Saints quarterback? Jahan Dotson with Washington. I would doubt it. Tennessee Titans with Traylon Burks. But they've got so much to, to spread the ball around. And you're probably talking about shorter passes. And then the next wide receiver there is Christian Watson. And, and again, as a, as a Packer fan, I look at it a little bit more critically because I know the team more closely. So I'm looking at it going, I don't know, they spread the ball out a lot. They're probably going to... But if you are an outsider looking in, you, based on the criteria, well, who is more likely to be the number one guy? Who has the best wide receiver situation? Who has the best offensive situation? It's the Packers across the board, and it's Christian Watson. Christian Watson has the ability to walk into that number one spot better than a lot of these other teams. Christian Watson has the best quarterback of any of these guys. You know, um, the the offensive success, which team is going to throw up 30 points? It's, you know, maybe not the Packers, but compared to what, the Falcons? You got Wandale Robinson, who not surprisingly is already killing it in camp. Remember, Juan, I, I, keep an eye on Wandale. But again, Giants, 
You got John Mechie. That's Houston Texans. Tyquan Thornton and the Patriots. Maybe, but probably not. George Pickens and the Steelers. Yikes. Alec Pierce and the Colts. Eh. Sky Moore and the Chiefs. Maybe. that. See, but that's, that's the thing. You look at that and go, ooh, that one makes sense. It makes sense for all the exact same reasons that, that it makes sense for the Packers and Christian Watson. Really good offense, really good quarterback, and they just lost their number one guy. Sky Moore put a big circle around it. Well, that's exactly why you should put a circle around Christian Watson. Valus Jones and the Bears, give me a break. Then you got to go all the way to the back of the third round before you see Jalen Tolbert to the Cowboys and uh, David Bell to the Browns. I mean, so, so again, if we're saying it's not a quarterback, there's a really high chance the next, I mean, it could be a running back. It's possible. We've seen a couple. If you look on here, Saquon Barkley, which I don't think he should have won necessarily, but he did. Alvin Kamara, which was a really, really, really big outlier as far as being a later round guy, being a running back and all that. But that's basically it. Wide receiver, quarterback, and running back. I'm trying to look back when the last time anybody else won. I mean, it's not going to be an offensive lineman. It looks like it's never been a tight end ever. The only thing it's been outside of that is a fullback, but that was back when fullbacks were basically running back. So that's it. That's it. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Not a bunch of stacked running backs in this class. You know, there, there is no Saquon Barkley. There was no top five pick running back in this class. And again, I doubt it's going to be a quarterback. So it's, it's really just a competition between the wide receivers. So, and again... It's easy to look at Christian Watson or, or, or Dobbs or Torre and say, eh, I don't think so. But it's just as easy to look at all these other teams and go, mm, I don't know. All we need is a connection between Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson. It's all we need. And why not? Why not? So, you know, the, the Packers don't generally win. Usually you get the, the real early draft picks that get it. But I think when you look at a couple different factors, number one, the amount of people that could possibly win it. Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, um, Kingsley and Igbare, I'm going to just say it that way because I can, potentially, um, and Samore Toure are, are options in these categories. And then add in the um, just kind of clearing the way. You know, in previous years, there's always that guy that's like, nah, he's probably going to win. In 2021, it's like, dude, Trevor freaking Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Granted, none of these guys were all that good, but still, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, those top five guys, if we had drafted Christian Watson in the second round, we're looking at this going, that dude doesn't stand a chance. Not a single chance on planet Earth. Defensively, maybe, because there wasn't that big pass rushing guy right out of the gate. You know, you got J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, those kinds of guys you kind of worry about. So defensively, maybe, but offensively, no chance. 2020, again, you got the quarterbacks. You got Joe Burrow, you got Tua, you got Justin Herbert. Um, and then defensively, you got Chase Young. So right away, you look at the top six picks and you're thinking, no chance. Derek Brown, Derek Brown. absolutely. I mean, he, he didn't do much when he went to Carolina, but again, just looking at the draft class going, dude, that guy is, is an absolute monster. Based on the hype, I never really liked him, but Isaiah Simmons had a massive amount of hype. And then, then you got uh, still the pile of wide receivers with Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb and Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson. Again, you look at it and say, let's say we got a wide receiver in the second round, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins. Like if, if, if we had Christian Watson in this group, I doubt it. If we had uh, Quay Walker, am I, am I pitting him up against Chase Young and, and Derek Brown and thinking we have a chance? Not really. But again, you look at this group, and although we don't really know, again, Derek Brown didn't do much. Maybe somebody is going to be a complete stud in this class. Maybe they're, they're not. I don't know. But just based on the hype going in, there is no Chase Young. 
There is no Joe Burrow. There is no Tua. There is no Justin Herbert. And so for those reasons, I think there is a not not even necessarily a good chance, but a higher than normal chance that the Packers could actually get an offensive or defensive rookie of the year this year. You know, we're not talking better than 50%, obviously, but but the other cool thing is it's it's either. It's not like what I said, what, 2020 or whatever, where it's like defensively no, but offensively maybe. No, this is offensive and defensive. I can clearly see it. There is no quarterback, probably not a running back, so it's a it's a it's a battle of the wide receivers, and we can make a case for Christian Watson as good as anybody else. Defensively, there is no real massive stud. I mean, you can say that there is if you want, Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe. Again, Giants. But I don't think it's automatic. I don't think we can pencil in Thibodeau for 10 sacks or Aiden Hutchinson for 10 sacks or Trayvon Walker for 12 sacks or any of that stuff. And so, again, the bar, I think, is relatively low. And I think we, we've got a pile of guys that have the ability to get over the hump this year, more so than in, in past years, which is why in the past I didn't really talk about it all that much. This year, it, it, you can see it. It's really just a matter of opportunities. And that's going to be the biggest hindrance, I think, is, is Green Bay going to look at any of these rookies and say, go out and play? The good thing is the first three picks, I think those are the three guys we are going to see right away. I think Christian Watson is going to be forced out because he has to. I think Quay Walker is going to be out there a lot right out of the gate. And I bet Devontae is going to be out there a lot. Anyways, I've made my point. I got to get out of here. should probably get this uploaded because if this takes another 10 minutes, I'm just going to say forget it and upload it tomorrow. So you guys have yourselves a fantastic rest of your Sunday. Uh, By the way, Memorial Day, uh, let me know what you guys are doing. I was planning on doing brisket, but I went to the store and so I was like eight something a pound. And I was like, there's just no way. I, I just, I can't do it. I want to do a brisket sometime. I just, for that, I mean, we're, we're creeping up to steak prices for a brisket. There's no way. So um, I don't know exactly what I'm doing yet. I, I've got some pork chops I can do, which I just did, but I got some, some others I can maybe do more. Or I might just go traditional and, and get some brats and burgers and stuff. But I'm trying to eat healthy, so I don't really know what I'm going to do. Brisket would be great, but I can't. Steaks would be good, but same problem. It was like 60 bucks for a couple steaks. <laughs> I just, I got pork chops, so we'll, we'll rock with that, I guess. But I hope you guys enjoy the holiday. I will try to uh, talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>